Well, good morning, everybody. I uh, hope everyone's had a good week this week. Um, late to get started. We were having some uh, technical difficulties, and so, um, yeah, just had to get those sorted out quick before we got started. Um, just need to make a quick adjustment here. You know, I'm really, I have to say, I'm really looking forward to getting a chance to get back out and open up the state again and things like that. Although I've heard that possibly Kansas City and uh, Spring, or Spring, but um, Kansas City and St. Louis may be, uh, may be under um, quarantine for a while longer. But, you know, we're just, we're going to keep getting through this, and we're going to get to the other side of this, and, you know, it's not the end of the world by any means, so it's going to be, um, it's going to be exciting. We're going to see God faithful. I was hearing something this morning that they've been having, I saw one, I didn't get a chance to read the post, but I saw a post this morning by some Christian organization that they, uh, they've actually been seeing quite a few people getting safe through, um, through what's been going on, so, you know, being at home, and people have just started turning their computers on, they've seen these uh, church services going on. People have been opening their heart to the Lord. So, you know, you can take any situation and turn it around. And in fact, we're going to be talking about that today. You know, this morning we're going to be talking about a guy who um, saw God faithful in a situation that realistically should have been very one-sided, um, which is a common theme in the Bible where God came through when it should have been very one-sided. And so uh, I'm really excited about today. You know, I don't I don't know how long this message is going to be, but, you know, I'm just, I'm really excited. I think there's going to be some good stuff out of this. And we're going to just be, today, be kind of talking about um, when you have God on your side, which I think is something good for people to remember, that we have God on our side. You know, we have access to God's power and God's authority through his son, Jesus. You know, without Jesus, of course, we wouldn't have access to these things. But through Jesus, we have access to God's power, God's authority, God's love, you know, salvation, and so we're really dig into this today, and I'm excited, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of trusting God to really open our hearts to this, so I guess let's start off like we should with, um, let's start off with some, um, sorry, one second, there we go, all right, so let's start this off with prayer, and we'll jump right into it, so we just thank you today for just a wonderful time to get into your word. Father, we thank you that we're starting to see results of people, you know, that we're starting to get past this thing. Thank you, Lord, that you're just leading and guiding the doctors as they're working on uh, helping these people and the different things that need to be in place to take care of this thing. But Father, we thank you that as your people, too, we have a supernatural covenant. We don't have to be afraid of COVID-19, sickness, or disease, because, Father, Sickness and disease is from the devil, and it's not from you. And I just thank you that we just have access to that, that we have access to your healing power, that your authority, which allows us to not have to be afraid of sickness and of disease. And Father, we just thank you that we are, as we get into your word today, you're just going to open things up to us. Holy Spirit, just lead and guide us and instruct us in the way we should go. And Father, we just thank you for all of that. In Jesus' name, amen. So, sorry, I'm dealing with a little bit of allergies, which I'm healed of in the name of Jesus, you know? That's the kind of thing. We got to have that kind of approach to things. Is stuff comes against your body. It's not saying stuff is ever going to come against your body. When stuff comes against your body, you got to stomp on it with God's word and say, eh-eh, 
Not allowed. You know, um, gosh, I don't even know if I should be quoting this commercial, but I just remember there's this commercial where um, this guy, he's tackling people in random. I'll have to find it, maybe put it in the comments. He's tackling people in random situations, and he's going like, eh, 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 and that's just what I was thinking of. You know, when when the devil comes at you with something, you just got to hit it with the word. You know what I'm saying? A lot of you guys watch football or watch sports. You know, when you got your two lines lined up in uh, football, now you're going to find out real quick how much I don't know about football. You got your two lines, right? You got your offensive, defensive line. That defensive lines, their job is to make sure that the offensive line stops right there or goes backwards. You know what I'm saying? A wall and just, you either hit the wall or the wall backs you up. Any football coach loves a moment where his defensive team either makes a wall that they can't breach or back. Either way is a good day. And so when, you know, when the enemy comes after you, you just got to hit him with that same wall of the word and just, here comes sickness and you set up that wall and it's just, nope, not allowed. And by the way, he's going to keep trying. It's not like, you know, it's not a one-time thing. The devil doesn't give up on the first try. <laughs> Be nice if he did, but he doesn't. So just remember that. And so today we're going to be digging into Judges, the book of Judges, chapter 6, verse 1. And we're going to be talking about a guy today that is famously known for being someone that trusted God when the odds were very much against him. I mean, not just somewhat against him, very much against him. Just in the number and the size of the army he went up against. So today we're going to be talking about Gideon. And, you know, I just, I was praying about what to study today, today, and what for us to kind of go through today. And Ironically, it was just, um, we were watching VeggieTales with uh, Amy, and we came across the Gideon one, and we were watching it, and I went, you know, and it just, it hit me. Something about watching it hit me, and I was like, you know, that is just a really cool story about God being faithful, and there's another theme I'm going to kind of tie into this, but I don't want to get to it quite yet, but there's just that thing of that God didn't need a big army to do what he needed to do. And you know, the thing of it is, is that we want to see churches grow, and obviously we want people to get involved in churches. God's never actually been affected. Sorry, that's just... I don't know why that was bothering me, but it was... God's not affected by the number of people or the size of the army he has. He's going to do what he's going to do through people. And that's a good example. And so... Start from verse six, six. But as you think of this today, think about the topic of think about the topic of God doesn't have to have the biggest, the strongest, the best to get the job done. Unlike a lot of people, he doesn't have to have that. So, um, and quick, just sorry, I guess I didn't really give a formal good morning to everybody. Um, I see we got people watching from well, quite all over actually. Um, I see some people in the chat that are from uh, the UK. Hey, Chris. Um, looks like we got a little bit of an international audience today, so that's awesome. Um, but we're going to be starting off in, like I said, in Judges chapter six, verse one, and it says, "And the children of the Lord and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them unto the hands of Midian for seven years, and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, because the Midianites, because of the Midianites, the children of Israel." made for themselves dens and caves and the strongholds which are in the mountains. 
So it was, whenever Israel had sown, Midian went up, also the Am Amalekites, gosh, I can do that word, the Amalekites and the people of the east against them. And they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza, and leave no substance for Israel, neither sheep, nor donkey, nor ox. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts, both they and their camels were without number. And they would enter the land and destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of because of the children, because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass that when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus saith the Lord God, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hands hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out of the land before you. I gave you their land. Also I said, I am the Lord. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed, obeyed my voice. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree which is in Ophrah. Ophrah. No, Ophrah, I said that right. Which belongs to Joash the Abizarite. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. So let's start off with what was going on here. Israel was under invasion for seven years. I mean, people, I mean, I guess I don't know if it'd be an invasion, but they were under oppression from the Midianites for seven years, and along with a couple other people that ganged up on with ganged up on them too at the same time. And when you think about it, I mean, it, the Bible makes it clear. There were so many of these guys, you couldn't count them. They, they, it's not if anyone's ever seen a huge swarm of locusts. I've only seen it like once or twice, and it's it's a sight to see. But it's amazing how, I mean, they, they wouldn't leave anything. I mean, they didn't leave livestock. They didn't leave plants. I mean, they just went through and just leveled. And this apparently happened more than once is how it sounds. So, Israel's not in a great place. They're weak, they're scared, they're hiding out, so they're not at a position of strength. So, I mean, you're already starting off this whole situation with Israel at a disadvantage, which is not a great way to start anything. But God then heard the cries of Israel and came to them through a man called Gideon. Now, what's funny about Gideon is instead of Gideon's story starting out with him doing some great deed or him rising up initially... It says he was hiding, you know, trying to thresh his wheat. And I have to laugh. I've heard pastors kind of make fun of Gideon that he was hiding, but I don't know about the rest of you guys. I mean, if I was just trying to get food for my family and this group kept coming through and destroying all the food, I'd probably hide while I'm doing it too. I can't really blame Gideon for the fact that he was probably, I mean... Commentaries on this, my thought is he was trying to hide while he was trying to get food for his family or even for himself. Can't say I blame him, especially when the you know, when your neighbors, the Midianites, are coming through and constantly uh destroying everything. I mean not leaving crops, plants, animals, nothing. It's pretty bad. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, 
The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why is this? Why is, has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of Midian. I've heard different people have different commentaries and kind of, was this Gideon doubting the Lord? Was this Gideon just venting? Was this, you know, whatever. And my thought is Gideon's just expressing from the heart. He's saying like this angel of the Lord shows up and says, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And everyone goes, well, Gideon should have just believed. Well, okay, let's put you in Gideon's shoes for a minute. For the last seven years, another nation has been coming through and raising your nation to the ground, as in from a produce things. Food's being destroyed and or taken. Crops are being, I mean, uh, animals are being destroyed or taken, you know, being killed or taken. For the last seven years, Israel hears all these stories of the great things God's done. For seven years, they just get wiped out. How many of us give up on God the first time something happens? Really, let's 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 cut to the chase here for a second. Think about it. how many times we just immediately. Well, where's God? The first time something goes wrong, not after seven years, but the first time it goes wrong. I mean, I, you know, people hear of something bad happening, and oh, well, you know, I don't know where God is, or if God's, you know, or God must be this, or God's that, and I'm like, I'm sick of it. You know, people automatically assume that the minute something goes wrong, God's abandoned them. And then, you know, I mean, you got to give Gideon, you know, cut some Gideon some slack. He's doing the same thing most of us would have done after seven years. You know. So really, I'd say his reaction was very natural. He, he reacted like most of us would, which is, look, he's saying, oh, Lord, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why is this happening? How many of us have asked that, you know, you're going through a trial and you, in your mind, maybe you may not say Often if you just sat there and gone, man, God, where are you? This is his version of where are you? I know I've asked God that before. I know that, you know, whether or not it's right that I have, it's the, it's from the heart. God, where are you? And really a lot of times, just like this story, it's where are we? You see, the thing is God had, Israel had. You see, it's like it said in verse one, then the children of Israel did evil on the side of the Lord. This didn't happen just because God had an off day one day. This happened because Israel, who was in covenant with God, who agreed to a covenant that you find back in Deuteronomy. You know, we have, oh, it looks like good connections back. Um, so if, I don't know if it skipped all the way to this now, it kept recording. If you missed something, just go ahead and you can back up. But you know, the thing is, is that there was a covenant and I'm having the darndest time finding it right now, but there was a covenant that, you know, they entered into, but part of that covenant was that, you know, if you do these things, the Lord will bless you. If you do these things, curses will come upon you. What was happening here was simply just the other side of the terms of the contract. Like people go, God was so mean. No, he was holding up the contract still. And that's the thing is that 
People go, well, how could God do this? Well, the thing broke the contract. You know what I mean? Like, and when we step out of God's will today, we're still lining ourselves up. Now, you know what? Personally, I don't think God sends stuff, and this is just my opinion. I don't really fight with people that have a different opinion. But my thought is, God poured his wrath out. Now, we have access to God's grace, right? Now, that doesn't mean, like Paul said, that doesn't mean we just live loosey-goosey. We still have a standard. But when we step out of sight of God's standards, we just open ourselves up to the devil. See, that's the thing is that the devil's out to get you. And if you step out of God's will, it's like stepping out from to get hit. If arrows are firing and God is the shield and you step out of that shield, you're going to get hit. That's just how it works. You know what I'm saying? Not that you can't get hit even behind the shield. But if you just step out of God's will, you are a target. Well, there's a whole thing on it, and I'll have to go find it again. Maybe someone can. You know, there, there's the whole thing of the different blessings and cursings that came across, upon the children of Israel. That's all that's happening here. And But you know what? Here's the thing. Gideon is forgetting that that's part of the story, too, is they're going, where's God's miracle? But they forget that their fathers also told them. He, he didn't, I don't know if he forgot or something or just out of frustration. But the thing is, is that Israel broke that contract. And now... Here's what happened. But God has always been merciful. If you look, if you want to look at an example of someone being merciful, God, time and time again, after Israel broke the contract, would say, look, I'm going to bring you back, and I'm gonna, we're going to reestablish this contract and reestablish. God reestablished that contract so many times. I mean, God still hasn't given up on it. In 2020, you can still see that God has not given up on Israel. It's very apparent. Especially when they're surrounded by people that hate them. And a good chunk of this world, and including America, doesn't like Israel. Shame on you for it. But, really, if you think about it, you can still see God's hand on Israel. Now, I don't agree with everything Israel the nation is doing. Just like Israel the nation now. I've heard some things that Israel's doing that I don't think are in line with God's will. But, God still has not abandoned Israel. He hasn't abandoned, you know what I'm saying? But the thing is, back here, they broke the contract, and this is what happened. I'm not quite sure how I got in that rant, but you know what I mean? It, it's a, it, it's really, it's something true, you know? So often, we blame God for something when we're the ones that changed. I mean, right there, that'll preach. We ask God, where are you? God hasn't changed in the 6 or 10 or however you think. You know, he hasn't changed once in human history. The thing that's changed is people standing with him, not his standing with people. But God has always been trying to renew his standing with people. Even most of the time, even in the time, people have not tried to renew their standing with him. So really, I think this was Gideon just out of frustration was saying, where is God? Where are these miracles? I just, I'm not seeing them. It just seems like God's forsaken us. I think it really was just out of a frustration of everything going on. He was just speaking from his heart, how he really felt. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And angels asked him, you know, have I, has God not sent you? 
And he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? In my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Just like David, just like a lot of other guys, God didn't pick the biggest, the strongest, the toughest, the whatever. God has God's in the business of building up the weak, of healing the broken, of using those that people wouldn't normally pay attention to, because then it's very apparent to people that God is with them. You know, when you see somebody that's got it completely all together, they seem to at least, you know, and they're rich and they're successful and they're this and they're that and they're a self-made person. I mean, one, there's no such thing as a self-made person. People still had to help that person. But two, you know, if somebody's convinced that they don't need God because they have everything together, why would God use them? I mean, really, why would God use them? But instead, God uses people that are weak, that are imperfect, that are broken, that are messed. Because the reason God uses them is because he's looking for somebody that will rely on him, not on the fact that, oh, I can do this myself. Now, God's not afraid of people who have skill. You know what I'm saying? God also looks for people who might have a certain skill. If you're a musician, God might be looking for someone to play music. If you've got technical skills, like I do, um, I really, you know, I really look to people that, I really tell people that with technical skills, you know, be open to offering your services to your local church because, now, do it within reason, you know, I mean, same time, never let your skills become something that takes you away from God, you know, I mean, if you're so busy running church that you can't take time to in church, there's a problem there, there's a little bit of an off balance, but, you know, God wants, obviously, uses people who have certain skills and abilities, and I believe he gives people certain skills and abilities, even if they're not using them to glorify him, I think God puts in people certain skills, again, musicians, or technical or mathematical skills or mechanical skills, people that are really good with their hands, you know, at, at making and fixing stuff. But at the same point, God uses people that are together because it's very apparent that it's him working. Now, again, I, I want to preface this. That's not the only people he uses, but you see he uses people like that a lot because it's just so easy for other people to see that God's with them. Because they're doing stuff that them by themselves couldn't do. That they by themselves couldn't do. And, he, and the Lord goes on to say in verse 16, And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and that you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to them, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who, are, you who talk to me. Do not depart from here, and I... I pray until I come to you and bring you bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread with an ephath of flour. The meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought it out. He brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. The angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened them on the rock and pour the broth and pour out the broth and he did so and the angel of the lord put out the end of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread the angel of the lord departed out of his sight then now gideon perceived that he was the angel of the lord so gideon said alas O god for i have seen the angel of the lord face to face I love how many times in the Bible, and I can't even blame him because I feel like I do this too. He says, 
Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. It's kind of like, oh, so you really are. I mean, a rock just randomly combusts and consumes the food, and then you just disappear. Okay, you know what? He might have actually been an angel or the angel. And it's just kind of this comical moment that I've seen throughout the Bible where all of a sudden they perceive, like Jesus with the two disciples on the road, that when he broke bread, then their eyes were open. Or this moment where now Gideon perceives, and it's kind of like, you know, we're reading it side of things. So it's easy for us to be like, oh, well, yeah, duh. But we weren't there. We weren't out of nowhere, somebody talking to us and telling us to take on a nation that our nation tells to take on, quote unquote, alone, take on a nation that our nation couldn't take on. You know what I mean? Like not our nation, the U.S., but again, putting in context, Gideon's nation wasn't like actively trying to fight the Midianites just because I think there were so many of them that Israel just gave up. And now guys just showing up out of nowhere saying, hey, you do this, and fight the Midians, Midianites. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'd be a little skeptical too. Like, who are you? I mean, you know what you're talking about? But really, you know, that's sometimes why God has done signs. I mean, that's why God gave the ability for signs and wonder, wonders and miracles is it gets people's attention. It draws people. I had an old instructor, and you're going to hear me say this a lot, and if you continue to watch any of the other sermons I do, you'll hear me say it again, that, you know, miracles are the dinner bell of the gospel. You want to get people's attention? Heal some sick. Raise a few dead. Cleanse a few people. You know what I mean? Like, it gets people's attention when you heal somebody. To the raising from the dead part, that gets people's attention. Death is usually very permanent, so when you override that, it gets people's attention. Not you, of course. It's God's power in you. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. And I think part of the reason it's important that, you know, he said that to him was because in Jewish culture, seeing God face to face was death. Not because God was going to kill you. It's just your physical body couldn't handle the raw, unrestrained presence of God because we live in a fallen body. And so... That's the thing is that I think Gideon kind of panicked for a minute, realizing that, oh my God, it's God, or that was an angel, the angel of God. And God's like, hey, it's okay. You see, that's what's cool about God. He's always about peace. If you look, what God's always saying, he's always saying, peace be with you. He's trying to bring people into a place of peace. You know, the Bible always talks about peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind. He wants your heart to be guarded by peace. He wants... Christians need to be at a peaceful state no matter what's going on. Now, I'm not saying peaceful state, sitting around just going, you know, but not letting the world break you, not letting things get to you, not letting fear run your life because you want to. In verse 24, so Gideon altered the Lord of peace. He even said that God is the Lord of peace. And to this day, it is still in Ophrah of the Abizarites. Now it came to pass that same night that the Lord came to him, take your father's young bull and the second bull of seven years old and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden images that are beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice of wood Let's see, burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image you cut down. So here's the thing. Gideon's father had a temple to Baal, or I'm sorry, to Baal. Was it 
Yeah, altar of Baal, yeah. Had an altar to Baal. So not only did God call Gideon, he called Gideon who grew up, or at least was around a family that worshipped Baal. Now, they were Israelites, but obviously his father, to some degree, whether it was due to like pressure or it was due to his father actually just decided, you know what, Baal must be God. I don't know which, but father had an altar there. And God said, I want to tear that down. You see, sometimes God's got to tear down altars in your families and in your life and put up an altar where he's at. Now, obviously, most of us in the U.S. probably don't have an altar in our house. In fact, I've never actually met anybody that's got an altar in their house. But nowadays, we can get an altar here. You know, we can let things get built here. We might have an altar to money or we might have an altar to fame or to popularity. Well, I guess fame you know, popularity or to um, success or to relationships even, besides our relationship with God. And just like God, Gideon, you, I need to tear this down. You've got to tear down these altars in your life where things have taken the place of God. You see, that's the whole point is this altar should have been an altar to God, but it was an altar to Baal. Just like in our hearts, we should have an altar to God in our hearts, but instead these other things take root and have an altar in our heart. Excuse me for a minute. Sorry, throat's a little dry. And so God said, I want you to tear this altar down. And I think he's saying that to maybe somebody even today. Is, you know, if there's an altar in your heart that's getting in the way between you and God, you need to tear that altar down. You need to, you need to go look. God has got to be first place. And the thing is, is that you've got to maintain your heart. And I've talked about this in another sermon, so I'm not going to get on a big thing with this. But you have to maintain your heart. Think of your heart as a garden or as a lawn, for example. If you don't maintain it, it becomes overgrown. It becomes overrun. You have to constantly be maintaining your heart so other altars and other strongholds don't be built up in there. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did what the Lord said to him. Because he feared his father's household, but because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it at night. You know what? I mean, again, people, well, Gideon should have, how many of us are afraid to talk to our own families about God? Not even go out and tear down something they've built. I mean, Gideon went and prop, did property damage here. Some of us are just too afraid to even talk to our own families or our coworkers about God. Because what will they say? So can we really give Gideon too much flack about the fact that he wanted to do this at night because he feared a whole city? He wasn't just afraid of what his dad would do in his father's household, but the whole city. You know what? I agree. I can't say I blame him. Again, look at the situation. This all happened in one day, and all of a sudden he's going out and tearing down and destroying a, a temple or an altar that his father and the city, that his father's household and the whole city have. That's a bold move. I mean, going and destroying property, that's a bold move. If some of us don't have the guts to go out and just tell somebody about Jesus or to, you know, pass out tracks or go cross-carrying or, or do something or post on Facebook about can we really give him too much flack for the fact that he actually still did it, he just did it at night? You know, sometimes God will meet, the cool part about God is he'll meet us where we're at. You know, it would have been more faith to do it during day, probably. But you know what? He did it at night, but he still obeyed. I don't meet you where you're at, but you still have to obey him. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, 
<clears throat> there was the altar of Baal torn down, and the wooden image was beside it cut down, and the second bowl was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, Who has done this? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the, many of, the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die. Because he's torn down the altar of Baal and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. Now when I read that, I'm reading it very flatly. You know what I'm saying? Comparatively. I'm sure it wasn't that calm or collected. I'm sure it was people came banging on his door. There was yelling. There was screaming. There was people like, you know. I mean, it was probably not a calm occasion. But the theme that they were like was said, bring out your son. He deserves death for what he's done. I have to admit, when I read this uh, earlier on, kind of getting ready for this, I had to kind of chuckle at his dad's response. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who plead for him be put to death by If he is God, let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to lie. That is a cool way to respond. So that's why I've always wondered if it was his dad's, I mean, it was on his dad's property. But something rose up in his dad, apparently, because his dad just shot right back at those guys and said, you know, Bale's, if Bale's in control, then let him deal with it himself. But otherwise, I mean, he even said, let him, let the one who pleaded for him be put to death by morning. He's saying, I'll put you to death. You know what I'm saying? Let you know, if you're if you're on Baal's side, you should be put to death. He's saying if Baal's so powerful, he should speak for himself. He should defend himself, which obviously Baal is not God, so he can't. He's a wooden stone object. There's probably some demons behind it, but you know what I'm saying? Like really, he's a it's a stone object. It's a wood object. It's not going to defend itself. Therefore, on that day that he called him Jerub Jerubal, ah, Jerubabel, I think how you pronounce it saying, let Baal plead for himself because he has torn down his altar. And you know what? I thought it was really cool. Again. Because there's more behind you than behind them. Oh, we had a little break in the connection again, so if you missed part of this, you can just back up a minute or two. But, um... It's just really cool that, you know, it rose something up in his dad and people started rising up. You know, sometimes what it takes to affect change is somebody standing up and saying no. Whether it comes to getting abortion out of our nation, whether it comes to getting, you know, homosexuality out of our nation, whether it comes to getting greed out of our nation, adultery. Sometimes it starts with somebody just saying, no, that's not right. By God's standard, that's not right. It's not a popular concept. But sometimes you just got to stand up and say that's not right. Then all the then the Midianites, the Amical, ah, sorry, Amalekites, I don't know why I'm having such a hard time with the words today. The people of the east gathered together and they crossed over and encamped at, in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet and the Abyssalites, Abyssalites, yeah, gathered behind him. And he sent messengers all through Manasseh 
who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came to meet him. So Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, Look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And so it was when he rose in the morning, early in the next morning, he squeezed the fleece together and he wrung out dew of the fleece. Or he, he wrung out the dew of the fleece, a bowl full of water. So that thing was soaking. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me, but let me speak one more time. Let me test. I pray just once more with the fleece. Let now only dry, now, let it now be dry only on the fleece, but all the ground let it there be dew. And God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on the ground. You know, again, we'll kind of sit here and give Gideon a hard time, but you know what? How many of us have said, hey, are you sure? Are you really sure? Can you show me something? I need a word of confirmation. I mean, really, like, how often do we stutter or kind of stop in following God because we're like, well, are you sure? Like, I mean, look what everything God did for him so far in our, and the sign protection yard did. And he's like, but God, are you sure? I mean, the fact he already started calling people, but then was still like, God, are you sure? I, I still need, you know, and the cool part is, is we have a better relationship with God than Gideon did because he gets to, you know, he lives in our heart. So I got to give Gideon faith or credit for all of his faith. When he didn't have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of him. Now, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, but it wasn't like he came into his heart like it happens for those of us that are born again this side of the cross. You know, here's the thing, though. Even though Gideon at points still faltered, God still met him where he was at. God still was faithful. God still showed the signs to him. And the But one of the most important parts is Gideon also still did his part. He took on the Midianites. That's the that'll meet us where we're at, but we still have to do our side too. Our part too. Then Gideon and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Heart Her, Herod. I don't know why I had such a hard time there. So that the Midianites was on the north valley by of Moray in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, too many for me to give Midian into their hands. Oh, the people who are with you are too many to give the Midianites into your hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself instead of me, saying, My own hand has saved me. I proclaim the hearing, in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful or afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. So God said, look, you've got a big army. And this army at this point could actually maybe say that we did this by ourselves. I want it to be very clear that I'm the one that did this. So he said, we're going to thin them out a little bit. So he said, look, if you're fearful or afraid, leave. I want you to think about something. Here's what's going to happen. And 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. So Gideon started with an army of roughly 32,000. And two, roughly two-thirds of that army left. 23,000 people said, I'm afraid. 
and left. Can you imagine what to be getting? Has anyone ever had people walk out on you, like really like, or say I just can't do this or whatever? Can you imagine having twenty three thousand of them leave, go to into a battle, and two thirds of your army says I can't do it or I I'm afraid and just leaves? I'm not in the military. Maybe this would hit military people who've been in the military more, you know, kind of harder. I personally would be terrified. Like, if and now I I have to imagine help that Gideon had God on his side. But even with that, I'd I'd, I'd feel a little whew about that because there goes two thirds of my army. We are now sixty percent less of an sixty six of an army to face the same size of guys. So, you know, you're watching two-thirds of your army leave this direction, and you're still looking over this way, and off in the distance is the army you've got to fight. You know, it, you'd really ha I mean, really, it took a lot of faith on Gideon's part to keep going. Like, I, I feel like that's when I'd be asking for the signs. But the Lord said to Gideon, even then, there are too, still too many people. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that whom I say to you, this one shall go with you. The same shall go with you. And to whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you. The same shall not go. And he brought the people down and said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue like a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those that lapped and put their hands... Or sorry, those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, were 300. But the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, the 300 men who lapped, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. And let the other people, every man, go, or let go every man to his own place. 300. Started with 33, 32, 33,000. And ended up with 300. That is a huge... From the military side, I couldn't imagine what that would be like. Just to start with 300. Or 33,000. And be down to 300. That, again, I feel like I'd have been starting to call for the signs then. And the wonder's like, what are we doing? But, you know, Gideon... Gideon had seen that God had called him and he was going to stick to it. And that's the cool part about Gideon's story is as much as he was kind of a slow starter a little bit and the fact that he kept asking God for signs and are you sure? He's, he's stuck with it. Once he knew, he stuck with it regardless of what it looked like. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands and he sent away the rest of Israel, every man to his tent and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below them in the valley. And it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise and go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hands. But if you are afraid, go down to the camp with your servant Purai, and you shall hear what they say. Afterwards your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Purai, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were at the camp. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites 
All the people of the east were along the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number, as the sands of the seashore in multitude. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell over. It fell, overturned, and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, There is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of jo Joash, the man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. You know what's crazy about that? Not only did God give Gideon one more sign the same night that they were going to go fight, he just made it so brutally clear that even the Midianites started to be afraid. I don't know if all of them were, but these guys at least knew that something was about to go down, that they weren't going to win. The fact that into, into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. From what this sounds like, they knew who God was. And they knew that he had delivered Midian and the whole camp into Gideon's hand. That's awesome. That's always cool when God gives you something. You know, this was... God gave Gideon a word through an unsafe person, but you know, it was the word he needed, which was, you're going to win this, and some of them know this. I mean, that's really cool. You know, God will sometimes do stuff like that. Keep open for when you're following God, be ready, because sometimes God will send along a word for you. Sometimes not even by somebody you're going to expect. And it's going to be the right word at the right time. And like it says, to strengthen your hands. And your hands shall receive strength, you know, to strengthen you for what's coming up. You know, that's the thing is, if God be for us, who can be against us? God was strengthening Gideon for the fight ahead. I am going with you, and that's the difference. Just like I was with Moses, and with Joshua, and with Abraham, and all those who were before you, I am now with you, Gideon. That's what he was getting the point across to him, was I'm with you. You will succeed because I am with you. And even to saying the same thing to us if you're with i'm with you you will succeed if you're doing what i'm telling you to do i will see it through and you will succeed because you're obeying me so it was when gideon heard the dream telling you the dream and its interpretation that he worshiped that he worshiped you know i mean how could you not like just want to praise the lord for that like praise god i mean i feel like praising god for that i mean i wasn't even there for the fight like it's God's just going to do stuff like that sometimes where he'll just remind you that, look, I am with you. And when he does, just take time to praise him for that. And so it was when Gideon heard, oh, let's see, I already read that. Then or he returned to the camp of Israel and said, arise for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian unto your hand. And he told him, you know what I'm saying? He felt strengthened. He went back and told his guys, come on, get up. God has given us this, our enemies. Let's take them on. So it was when Gideon heard, oh, oh, I keep going back to that. Then he put 300 men into three companies and put a trumpet in each man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitcher. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, then you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, and I and all who are with me, then you shall also blow the trumpet on every side of the whole camp and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and his 300 men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp and be, and the beginning of the middle of watch. Just as they posted the watch, 
and just or just as they hit, just as they posted the watch. So I guess they were just now posting the middle watch. They blew their trumpets and broke their pitchers that were in their hands. The three hundred, then the three hundred companies, the three hundred companies, or the three companies. Sorry, the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held their torches in their left hand and their trumpets in their right for blowing. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried out, ran and cried out and fled. Then the three hundred blew their trumpets. The Lord set every man's sword against his companion through the whole camp. And the army fled to Beth Acacia towards Zariah. Zariah, yeah, something like that. As far as the border of Abel, Methoa, Methoa, of Tabith. The men of Israel gathered together from Nephtali, Asher, and Manasseh and pursued the Midianites and sent messengers throughout all the mountains of Ephraim saying, Come down against the Midianites and seize from them the watering places as far as Beth, Bara, and the Jordan. And all the men of Ephraim gathered together and seized the water, watering places as far as Beth Bara and, in, and the Jordan. And they captured two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb. And they killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb. Zeb, they killed at the winepress of Zeb. And they pursued Midianites and brought of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of the Jordan. Let's break down what just happened there. God gave him the victory. Not because he had military advantage, not because he had the strongest men, not because of any of that. God gave him the victory because he trusted him. And when he did, as God said, Midian panicked, they all turned on each other, and then those that weren't fighting each other took off and ran. But that's the thing, is God took 300 and chased off an army as numerous as the sands of the sea. Again, I don't even think it says anywhere in here how big Midian's army was. But just that everyone described it as, as numerous as the sands of the sea. If anyone's ever been to a beach, that's a lot of sand. The point I wanted to get across in this message, and I, I wanted to read through it first before I really got into it, was you and God make a majority. In this case, it was you, it was Gideon, God, and 300 soldiers make a majority up against an innumerable army. But remember, you and God make a majority. If you're ever feeling, you know, people go through peer pressure, stuff like that. If you're ever feeling peer pressure, if you're ever feeling overwhelmed because you feel like you're the only one in this scenario, remember one thing, or a couple of things. One, but two, you and God make a majority. You plus God always makes a majority. Because when you have God, who cares who else is for you? If God be for us, who can be against us? You know, again, I'm. this is kind of the wrap-up. This sermon's going to be a little shorter than some of my other ones. But just something I felt like the Lord was wanting to share with everyone today. So, was that, again, if God's told you to do something, even if people disagree with you, even if people mock you for it, even if people... Even if you feel like you're the only one or you feel like nobody's with you, remember that you and God make a majority. And you and God will always make a majority. So I would just advise you to really think about that this week. As you go into this next week, if you're ever feeling overwhelmed, if you're ever feeling like you're all alone, if you're ever feeling like 
there's more of them, whatever them is, and versus you, remember that you God make a majority. So, you know, guys, that's kind of what I had for you today. Um, we'll just kind of wrap this up with the time of prayer. We'll, uh, you know, get to maybe an early lunch or something like that. But um, I really hope this spoke to you. Uh, if you ever get a chance, go back and read through it some more and even read the story afterwards because Gideon's story doesn't kind of where I wanted to wrap it up for today. So just take time and think about that whole thing about when you trust God, it doesn't matter when you're on your side versus their side. And this happens a lot through the Bible where God took a smaller number and defeated a larger number. God took a small to defeat a big. David and Goliath is another good example. You don't have to be the biggest, the strongest, the smartest, the most well-spoken. I mean, I feel like I stutter and repeat myself a lot. You know, God's going to use you if you will trust him. Something I learned, something the Lord spoke to me one time. I was on a missions trip in the DR. Something he spoke to me as I was looking at our stage one time. I was part of the stage prep crew because we had this mobile stage we would work with. Um, was that if you give me a stage, show up. Well, sometimes the stage is just your heart. The stage is you trusting God. The stage is, you know, you're, you're stepping out. So remember, you and God make a majority. So no matter what's going on, you and God will always make a majority. And so when you give him a stage... He will show up. Gideon trusted God and he showed up. When you trust God, he will take care of you. And so I just kind of want to leave you with that today. So again, I hope the message blessed you guys and um, hope you guys have a great Sunday and a great week coming up. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to be doing today, but uh, we're going to just enjoy the rest of our time together and just enjoy, you know, spending time together as a family. And hopefully soon this quarantine thing will be wrapped up and we can all kind of get together again at the church and start, you know, we can, for those of us that are part of our church, you know, we can all see each other again. And for those of us that are parts, you know, for those of you that are part of other churches, you'll get to see your church congregation again. But um, let's go ahead and we'll pray over this and then get back to um, and just get going with the rest of our Sunday. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just want to thank you for this time together in the Word. I just want to thank you for just through the Gideon story of Gideon, just showing us that when we're with you and when we're trusting you, you will see us through. And if we have you on our side, we're always at the majority. We're always the winning side. And I just thank you, Lord, for that. And I just ask you to be with us as we go through today, today, and just lead and guide and direct us and help us to just trust you like Gideon trusted you. And thank you for meeting us where we're at, just like you met Gideon where he was at. I ask, I just pray for everyone that's you know within the sound of my voice here that you just be with them thank you that as they just go through the rest of their week that you, you will show yourself strong in their life if they're coming into a situation or where they're feeling overwhelmed thank you lord that you're just reminding them that when they're with you they don't have to be feel overwhelmed because you're always a majority on their side and you are bigger than whatever they're coming up against so thank you lord for that in jesus name amen all right guys well hey you know, I just want to say from the Collins family, we love you. From, you know, Friendship Christian Fellowship, we love you guys. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again. I'm not sure if we'll be doing live this next week or depending on how things go. Maybe we'll be meeting in person again. Uh, just keep an eye on Facebook and we'll let you know. But hopefully soon we'll be meeting again as a church. And uh, you guys just all have a great Sunday, all right? Bye.